everyone. Um, welcome to the Invisible Business Podcast with Amar and me. A little bit about us before we start. Arjun and I are both sophomores in high school at Shepton High School, and we both want to pursue business, and that's really what got us started into this, into making this podcast. Yes, and today we have um, Mr. Kalyander, who is a managing director at a Wall Street firm. Do you want to introduce yourself and describe what you do? Yeah, happy to. Uh, again, um, I work with a uh, Wall Street firm, and I essentially help um, high net worth uh, families. And my goal is to really make sure their family has well-being, uh, which which covers aspects from their investments all the way to their personal lives and inner family generational planning. Well, that's really interesting. Um, and what what helped get you in starting? You know, I. I uh, sort of defaulted on it. I'm kind of an outlier in my family. Um, I started uh, uh, out in just high school, uh, was always curious about the markets. I always thought that was very fascinating. Although most of our families are doctors. We have 23 doctors in the family, um, mostly surgeons. So when I was younger, I was exposed to a lot of the medical world. Um, but I quickly learned that was not something I enjoyed, uh, especially when I saw my first surgery at the age of 11. Um, so uh, I started uh, sort of looking at the markets and started day trading in college, uh, and I was very lucky. Uh, I would say it was really no skill. It was luck in college. I started day trading um, and then uh, pursued uh, the firm and then uh, realized that uh, helping other people was also really enjoyable and uh, rewarding. So that's how I got started. Getting involved in high school with some business classes and learning more about the stock market, it definitely has me interested in that type of career. Oh, that's great. You know, I, uh, I encourage you guys to continue to look into it. Do you have any advice for yeah, someone in also, high school that wants to pursue a career similar to yours? You know, I would. I think you guys are doing all the great things. I mean, I think you guys are, are in the clubs and you're you're sort of aware. And I've heard, uh, you know, over the years talking from things about Bitcoin to different stocks. So I think it's great. I think all that it is is really interest and just continue to read and absorb um, information. You know, when I got started um, back in, you know, kind of in 95, 96, it shows I'm an old man. One of the things that was really interesting is you couldn't get information. Now you have access to exactly what really, really smart people like Warren Buffett are doing. Uh, you didn't have that much access uh, back then. You would have to wait almost a quarter every quarter to find out what he bought or his team bought. So I think just interest reading and then talking to in individuals is, uh, is the best way to do it. And then also dabbling in the markets yourself in a small way, being very careful. And I'm sure you've had uh, very, very great moments in the market. What are, what are some of your favorite memories or some of your most memorial memories in the market? You know, I think uh, it's ironic. Some of the, um, the worst times in the market, uh, you know, at the time, it felt like a really, really bad time turned out to be one of the best opportunities. So uh, I'll give you, a, I'll kind of frame this and put it into context. Uh, I recall last year, essentially this time last year, the market was hopping along, doing really well. And then you saw in the month of March of 2020, the market dropped 37% in one month. Um, and I think, you know, during that period, it was obviously very nerve wracking with COVID and all the tragedy that was happening. You know, many, many people lost their lives. It was very, very tragic. Um, but, uh, you know, however, from an investment perspective, um, again, the human toll was very, very tragic. And I think the world was trying to determine what to do. 
uh, it created probably the biggest buying opportunity of this decade. Um, so pretty, pretty interesting how a course of events changed. Yeah, it's really interesting how something so bad for the whole world can really benefit people if they uh, invest in the market. What would you say one of your, like what's, what's a common misconception or what's a common like thing that people don't think of that with all your experience, like you can say that does not work? Yeah, no, it's a great question, Amar. I mean, I think one of the things that, um, that I find happening is not knowing what you own. I think I was uh, very, very guilty of this, and I know a lot of investors are, um, where they would just buy something. There's an old saying, you know, and I see this a lot with the investors who are not really um, following the markets. You get a hunch and you buy a bunch. So what that means is, you know, so-and-so on TV says something or you get an article or a friend of a friend, um, you know, that you'll hear in, in uh, your world of, of the investment clubs, et cetera, will say, hey, buy this stock. It's supposed to do this amazing thing. Um, and that would be clearly my mistakes. I remember the first years, uh, first couple of years um, when I would trade, I did a lot of that where I would hear, and it wasn't speculation. It was from credible sources, from research or something that was credible, um, uh, you know, scientific, uh, you know, kind of reports. And then you really start to believe it. And then you jump on the train, but then you, again, to that saying, you get a hunch, you buy a bunch. Instead of buying a small portion, I'd buy a bunch. And, you know, I would say two out of 10 times at work, the rest time, rest of the time you lost money, um, which is not the way to invest. Uh, and so I think uh, those are some, some lessons, but big mistakes. We're, we're really, really not knowing what to own. Um, and I think both of you guys do a great job of, uh, you know, knowing what you you use the product, you know the you know the company, um, you know uh, from from fashion to you know music, et cetera. You guys know uh, these companies, and that I think is crucial. That essentially is what Warren Buffett did. And I mean, and like you said, like you have to know the companies. And I mean, I think social media is also one of the biggest platforms to learn about stuff like that. But also, what are some of the biggest sources that you use to do that? Is there any like? main source you would say that you use? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I think, you know, I would do two things. I think, you know, the basic, the mainstream financial sources, if you if you look at the Wall Street Journal, Barron's, uh, these reputable, you know, Forbes, um, you know, Fortune Magazine, all of these reputable firms are really, really going to uh, give you some good insight. But then what you really want to do is high level look at companies and things that you think will do well long term. And that's the way to do it is find companies that you use and you, you can see that they're being used by your peers um, from fashion to et cetera. And that's a great way to start. But, um, you know, I would really uh, look at that. Another thing that I think is, is very, very important is, you know, especially in, in, in when you start out, I wouldn't necessarily start stock picking. I would look to um, buy some great index funds. Um, you know, I'll give you an example. Last year, uh, you know, the markets uh, shot up 18%. Um, if you just bought the uh, uh, index, you were better off and you didn't have all of the downside that some individual stocks had. So I think, you know, for starting investors, et cetera, considering and looking at index funds could be a great, great option to start building, building kind of long-term goals. Index funds. So index funds are less risky is what you're saying? No. 
like it goes in a generic upwards? Yeah, or... yeah, no, no, it's a great question. I mean, I think I wouldn't say they're less risky or more risky. It just gives you diversity. You know, when you have, you know, the S&P 500, for example, there's 500 stocks. Um, and to give you a sense, last year, uh, I believe the stats were pretty staggering. 495 of the 500 stocks were up approximately 4%. And five stocks were up 68%. You got to know really what five stocks. And the best thing to do is it's not to say it's going to be less risky, but it is a great way of, you know, you're throwing a wide net. So even the, the good stocks that do well, you'll own a piece of, um, and then uh, you can capture it. But it's a great vehicle. I mean, I look back on, you know, all these years and, um, you know, buying some great indexes uh, because, you know, over time, uh, those can do very well, and you don't have the risk of one stock going to zero. I mean, that's really interesting. And a little bit like going back to where your childhood, I know you said you had a lot of doctors in your family and things like that. How are your parents um, around the financial market? And how do they help you or encourage you or maybe not even encourage you at all with going to the career you wanted to go? Into? Yeah, so I mean, I got uh, my parents are wonderful. They they were probably the most amazing supporting supportive parents. They never really um, pushed us into medicine or engineering or anything in that light. Um, but, you know, my folks did not have any um, experience in the market, quite frankly. I, you know, I think uh, clearly my parents were savers, um, but they didn't really buy index funds and, and index funds really weren't that big back then. So um, long story short, it wasn't really encouraged, but then you start to read, you know, some great books uh, out there, Rich Dad, Poor Dad to you know, Millionaire Mind. And you start realizing that owning assets, et cetera, um, you can't save your, you know, save your way into wealth. And there's two differences. You know, there's a difference between rich and wealthy. Um, and what I really realized early, early in, in high school and uh, especially in college is, um, you know, wealthy people. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about just quality of life and and, uh, and being sort of a free, liberal, uh, liberated from kind of just work. Uh, they all had assets. So uh, I started just researching more and more and fortunately uh, kind of found uh, a kind of a nice career path. Yeah, that's yeah. that's great that your parents were so supportive. Was there anyone else in your childhood or anything else you used that kind of influenced you any any? Anything more like any teachers, classes, anything like that? Yeah, no, that? it's a great question. So I think, you know, um, I learned really quickly that uh, um, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say I was an amazing student. Uh, I didn't realize how important studying in school was. And um, I was probably more uh, excited to do business or just engage people and, and et cetera. But uh, I learned really quickly early on that, you know, having a good academic head start um, I see people that I work with who have gone to great schools and have done uh, had an easier life. So I think the the big influences we had some teachers that were really good and some clubs that were very helpful, um, but not really necessarily the markets, just overall in business. But I did did see um, that you know a few uncles and aunts were pretty good savers and had bought some great companies, um, and you know they they did really really well. I you know uh, it, it's. I think it's realizing that your money can work harder than you are. Um, so I think, you know, those are very, very influential. I mean, for you guys, I think talking to 
all the smart investors, but also listening to these smart web. Uh, and I'm so glad you guys are doing these um, these uh, calls and, and webcasts because you you hear from just brilliant investors who will openly tell you everything that they're doing. Um, so I think that's the key. You can find out so much great insight. And this can be from real estate to stocks to oil and gas. Um, th that wasn't available, you know, 25 years ago. Yeah, especially with the internet, like developing is also like stocks and businesses getting bigger. There's so many more resources that we can use to to follow your career path to make it uh, a lot easier, I guess you could say, and more achievable um, and more successful with all the internet resources, all the people doing, uh, you know, seminars saying like what exactly they did. It really helps. And right, and you guys doing this is a great job because what you do is you have access to, you know, individuals. What's nice is you guys can call on somebody and they'll take your call and they'll take, they'll do a session with you, which is wonderful, right? Uh, where you can, you can expose it to the rest of the folks too. I think the internet's so important and, and spreading information is so helpful too. And and going back to school, I'm sure school played an important part part of your financial career and and how you grew. I did, you know. I, I realized it was a, it's it's interesting you asked that question. I, I realized, you know, that um, classes like chemistry and, and biology, et cetera, it took me a lot of work to sort of memorize, you know, different uh, data and tables and uh, you know all of the coursework. Um, but math came a lot easier to me than other subjects. So. Um, you know, statistics, calculus, that my mind, I think, just uh, um, wrapped around that easier. But I think at the end of the day, it was just because I probably enjoyed it more than other subjects. So um, school was very, very important. And I think uh, especially your generation is really wise to, to make sure you're really hitting the right classes uh, in stride. So I think that's great. I think that's uh, I didn't realize, you know, how how much math would come into into play, but uh, math is, is crucial. Also being able to do it quickly in your head on the fly, um, you know, especially in trading, you don't really have a lot of time to kind of uh, run the numbers, uh, especially when the markets are moving pretty quickly. So this is, it's, a, it's a great tool to be able to say, okay, you know, if I, if I buy X, what's my downside? What's my upside? You can determine that really quickly. And I mean, the market definitely moves really fast. Lots of different things that happen every single day. And yeah. Yeah, being being interested in math definitely plays a big part. Um, yeah, I would actually say I'm the same exact way. You know, chemistry, biology, I really, I mean, I don't really enjoy them as much. And math is just something that, as you said, just kind of comes naturally. Like my brain wraps around numbers. And I'm pretty sure Arjun's the same way with that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, I mean... And like you said, I mean, like, like the surgeries and things like that. I mean, I also have a medical family and it just, it just, it didn't really wrap around me. And even though I think it's a great career you can go into, it didn't, it didn't really wrap around me. And then another question I had is this podcast is where we're trying to like normally aim at is how people went from a career, which was not really always correlated with business and made it more business minded, if that makes sense. And I know finance is normally correlated with business, but would you say you have grown into more of a business minded character? and how you transitioned into that. Yeah, yeah, no, it's great. And I appreciate you giving me that insight. Yeah, I think what's nice is, you know, um, just in my world, I mean, it just uh, uh, on a, a chamber that I volunteer with and, and a few uh, other organizations that I work with, some nonprofits too, 
what I realized is everyone that I started working with were entrepreneurs. So um, that, that I think was underlying kind of what I loved. And I think like you guys said, you know, you start out in X and then you turn out to be more entrepreneurial. Um, I see doctors who, you know, are supposed to be, uh, you know, essentially just employees at a medical clinic. Uh, then they suddenly turn out to open a surgery center and become very, very uh, successful. So I think one of the things that uh, I realized is just talking to different people and from nonprofit boards to the chambers um, that I would work with, they all were entrepreneurs. So doctor who's supposed to be, you know, a surgeon ends up buying a surgery center and then is really spending most of his time. There's a, another doctor I've heard of who was, you know, a medical doctor. And then he started getting into real estate and did very, very well in real estate and oil and gas. So um, I think that's what's nice is when you start talking to, and you guys are doing a great job talking to uh, individual entrepreneurs, um, you'd be amazed how many people, start out uh, i know one gentleman who was in finance and he but his passion was cooking um but uh, he started a, a great burger joint in uh, in town um but he wanted to he, he was very focused on the quality of the food and and the condiments and so he really applied a profit and loss to all of the businesses but i think his financial uh you know background really enabled him to do well because he was able to find the right type of financing for the business, source the right types of meats and, and products for his, his uh, business. And then he was really wise to find the right real estate. As you know, that's so important, finding the right real estate. Um, and then uh, really, really did well because he was using, although his passion was, uh, you know, his food, his, his real talents also helped him find that so i think it's it's good talking to different people but you'll you'll be amazed i mean some of the smartest uh, um, entrepreneurs uh you know who who don't uh, understand mathematical tables and balance sheets etc but really have a good uh and, and i would say the thing that i uh, stress to everyone i i talk to emotional intelligence is key like, like what you guys are talking about being you know hey uh, you know i'm already mentioned you have some doctors in the family and same with the origin um, you guys, you know, when you talk about emotional intelligence, one of the you know key parts of emotional intelligence, as you both know, is self-awareness, determining that, hey, this is not something you like. Um, I know a gentleman who was a, uh, um, he went to a good school as an electric engineer, and um, one month after he graduated, realized he didn't like it, uh, ended up going to become a doctor. Now, fortunately, he was smart enough where he could pivot, but as you guys said, you know, trying to be, um, he didn't want to be an employee. Um, and then you'll find a lot of these computer science, really smart uh, guys and gals. Um, they go from uh, a technology shop, but they don't want to go work for a big technology firm. They want to start their own firm. So I think just exploring that yeah. um, and having conversations because consulting can evolve in, uh, from business. Um, I mean, there's so many types of, or you could even, uh, you know, basically have be being in big uh, sort of the main investor like Shark Tank. Right. Uh, and you can have smart entrepreneurs do the hard work for you. Yeah. And like you said before, I think finance is so important in everything you do. Any entrepreneurship, I think finance is going to play a decent sized role or at least a role. And and like you said, passions are also super important. What you want to do. And I think changing careers is not bad of an idea. But I think starting off with what you want is probably yeah, yeah. probably more I, ideal. 
you guys said, uh, yeah, growing up, I mean, I think it's always important to just, you know, go do as many internships, go talk to as many people. Um, because, you know, in our world, I mean, you know, I see it in, in uh, you know, in financial advice side of the world, people think you go and manage money. You don't manage money the first 10 years of your career. You're, you have to find a client. Uh, you may have a great stock or a great portfolio, but if no one owns it or, or, or you can't manage anyone's money, it's really worthless, right? It's kind of like a, a great, you know, great meal that no one else eats. So um, you want to make sure that uh, you understand that. I, it took me a while to figure that out as well. So I think it's good that you guys uh, are talking to a lot of different people. Going off what you said earlier as well about um, the people around you, like influencing your life, like you brought up that story about uh, the person you knew who went into finance, but his passion was food. So he ended up making a restaurant and served burgers. That was super interesting to hear that people around you really have a big influence on your future. And I think having a good core group around you can really help you branch out and expand. So um, is that something you'd recommend to younger people in high school or even middle school is to have your friend group, core group really just be good people. No, no, you, you hit the nail right on the head. I mean, I, I share that with uh, um, my son all the time is, you know, there's an old saying, uh, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Uh, it, it's so crucial. I think, you know, you if you have five friends that smoke, you'll be the sixth. If you have, um, you know, five, five friends who play basketball, you'll be paying basketball. I mean, it's, uh, it's pretty hard. Um, you know, to work at a tattoo shop and not get a tattoo over time, right? So it's, there's no question, um, you know, who you surround yourself with and the caliber. I mean, you guys are obviously great, great young men and, and uh, studying hard uh, and doing the right thing. It's crucial because uh, as you know, uh, as you, you guys are sophomores, you mentioned. Um, yeah, so I mean, you guys are going into yeah. that critical, critical stage. I, I can tell you an interesting story. I was, uh, I went to a school, um, that was pretty academic. I mean, it was very similar to your school. Uh, it was it was kind of part of town where a lot of the parents were um, educated, so their kids were kind of uh, pushed to do the same. But uh, a good friend of mine, you know, he uh, he got into Yale. He played soccer, scholarships, and everything. And basically, um, just partying and a girl completely derailed his uh, path, and that was in his junior year which is unfortunate um, because now um, he's in his 40s and he's just really struggling where he could have gone from, you know, um, hitting all those highs in high school, gone to Yale um, and pretty much called any, any shot that he wanted to because I think corporations are going to see a young person who comes from a good school. Um, his family is obviously a good family. who was very supportive uh, and he could have, you know, kind of called the shots, but... You're right. I mean, uh, Amar, to your point, uh, friends are crucial. I think that is one of the most influential areas. Uh, if you have friends who kind of push you to do better, you know, your SATs or your, your classes, um, because it's truly a partnership. If you look at the smartest investors, I mean, Bill Gates, he had uh, clearly very good friends that helped him start, um, you know, his business, um, Warren Buffett. Um, you know, as Charlie, right, uh, who's, who's kind of his sidekick and, uh, and they, they uh, 
have been kicking, you know, uh, kind of uh, answers back and forth to each other. Um, I mean, the Google Google guys uh, have done well. So I think, you know, all of these uh, folks, they didn't do it on their own. Right? They had either relationships or a mentor or a partner um, that would help them kind of uh, put, you know, put the right pieces together and find the right opportunities. Yeah. And, you know, I told, I think I totally agree with all those points right there. A great circle, you know, hopefully me and Amara are on that path. I think we are. Um, is there any advice to young viewers? I know you already mentioned the good circle, but like financial advice or things that you're like going to your field or things like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's great. I think that. one, I think doing a lot of reading, et cetera, but I would really try to find out, you know, I think this, um, fallacy that people say, you know, go find something you love. Um, I think that's really not necessarily the healthiest advice, right? And the reason for that is um, you obviously want to do something that you enjoy or, or you can you can sort of flourish in and you're not going to be miserable. But I'll give you an example. I love cars. Um, I would never want to be a mechanic because after a week, um, I would never want to see another car or the hood of a car. Um, I enjoy cars because I can, uh, you know, kind of dabble. I'm not smart enough or intelligent enough to work on cars in an in-depth way, but um, I know sort of the things I like and I can do a little customization um, and, uh, and enjoy it, wash the car. That's, that's crew. I, I think one of the key things with, to your point, Arjun, is to, you know, make sure um, you, you know, have kind of a couple of uh, approaches. One, find things that would be interesting to you. Um, and then you should also find out, let's say it's, it's X, Y, Z, um, in business, right? If it's, uh, it's a service model in business where, you know, you're, you're trying to help, uh, uh, like, like a Uber, right. Um, you know, or even how, uh, Netflix was created. It was because the, uh, the, you know, basically founder of Netflix had a late fee from blockbuster video and he thought it was completely ridiculous. So I think finding things that you would potentially enjoy is one. It doesn't have to be something you love, but mostly if there's a need, right? You got to see if the market, if there's a need for that, um, you know, uh, if there's not a need, and but you love it, it's not something you should do, uh, right? Because that would be, you know, I know a, a young gentleman who um, loves film and, and uh, you know, wanted to get into film and, and be an entrepreneur, being basically a producer. Well, he came out of a, a good school, but couldn't find a job right? There was really no need. Everything is now gone into these big, uh, you know, Netflix and Warren Brothers studios that spend millions and millions of dollars. So I think to your points, you know, you guys both bring good points and reiterate that is find things that you could enjoy, find out if there's a need and find out where you can add value. And that's what you should pursue. Um, I mean, you look at, uh, uh, you look at these great businesses yeah. uh, uh, that have been created. Uh, I mean, Uber was just another example, right? He uh, thought it was such, it was so ridiculous that you'd have to hail a cab um, and not get something instantly and, and uh, create an incredible business out of it. So I think finding, uh, but, you know, I think talking yeah. to people and quite frankly, I wouldn't be too worried about, uh, I wouldn't be uh, too stressed about what to do because what, you know, could be a great opportunity today won't be a great opportunity by the time you graduate college. You'll probably have 10 more opportunities that open up after college. Um, what was really hot when I came out of college is, is very, very um, obsolete right now. So 
uh, I think one of the things you'll do is just to stay kind of in the middle of the road and just absorb a lot of things, see what you, what interests you, um, and then you can uh, go from there. Yeah, it was really nice to hear your insights about those things. So definitely benefit Arjun and I, and also everyone listening. Yeah. To the to the podcast. Yeah, oh, you're we welcome, guys. You coming we're doing on. a great Thank job. Thank you so much. All the best. Um, happy to come on anytime.